Hey, welcome to another episode of the Express Yourself podcast by Zane Masters and Andy Archie. This episode is sponsored by the Express Yourself project. All links will be attached in the description below. All right, brother. Episode one. We made it. We made it. <laughs> we have arrived. <laughs> Strapping your seatbelts. Uh, number one podcast in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all joking aside, my brother. Um, I guess. I guess before we start, if you missed our intro, um, welcome to the podcast that we have decided to collectively come together and create. Mm. How does what next sound? What next? Yeah, I like that. Let's sit on it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's we, sit on that. We're still thinking of names. names. Yeah. Oh, my brother. Well, episode one, we wanted to drop in and um, give a bit of backstory on my brother over here, Andy Archie. Um, so, without further ado, a quick intro of uh, who you are, what you're about. Quick intro. Uh, who am I? I am a father. I am a uh, businessman. I am a partner. Um, I am a a leader in um, empowerment groups. Um, but if we're looking at another level, then I would say I am a infinite being living a human experience. Yeah, I like that. I like that, my bro. Um, so where are you from, bro? Where would you grow up? How what was your upbringing like? I grew up in Auckland, Auckland, yeah. New Zealand. I was there until I was 28 years old, but grew up in West Auckland, West Harbour. A lot of people tried to play off like that wasn't West Auckland, but it was West Auckland. Lived on the outskirts of Massey. Um, my childhood was good. I feel like I had a really good childhood. Um, very blessed with parents who did the best that they could to provide us with what we needed came from a family that didn't have have much um, but have hustled and grinded their way uh, into what they have today you got you got siblings I do I have, I have an older brother a younger brother and a younger sister I'm second eldest so I'm 33 years old right 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 um what's your relationship like with your Siblings, growing up? Uh, growing up, man, we used to fight all the time. Yeah. We used to fight all the time. I I was, I guess so, more of like the outgoing child. I was really into sports, um, friends, uh, always cheeky. Even to this day, was always that cheeky child. <laughs> You're definitely the cheeky one, my bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's who I am. Yeah. Um, I love that playful side. I love that playful energy. Mm. And um, my sister, sister and I have a really good relationship. Uh, my my brothers, we, I mean, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, as, as I became and and I'll say late teen, I saw some of my bros who had brothers um, with really, really solid relationships with their brothers and 
And I will say that I was very envious of that relationship. Yeah. Um, I did, I did really feel like I was missing out on that intimate relationship. I, I don't know why we never were as tight as other uh, siblings that I've seen. Yeah. But it's something that is, that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, but, you know, in due time, like I feel we have a good relationship, but there's always room to grow closer together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, I've got a real good relationship with my siblings, especially, or my sister, especially. Um, yeah, me too. And yeah, I know what you mean. Me and my brother, we have a good relationship, but it's like, there's that distance, mm. you know? Um, yeah, so, but hey, there's still time. I, I think having your own families too. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of devotion that you put into your own family. Mm. Um, I guess trying to recreate those things that we missed out on as siblings and, mm. and pour them into our own families. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so moving forward, bro, moving into your teenage years, what was your, what was your teenage years like? And my teenage years were very rebellious. Um, I grew up in a um, religious family. My parents still uh, very religious. So I grew up in, in the Mormon church. So um, living with a lot of expectations and uh, restrictions in my life, by the time I, oh, I started being rebellious very young, just very quietly. Um, but in my teenage years, I was able to really let loose and yeah. let go. So my teenage years were very um, experimental. Yeah. What sort of stuff did you get into during your teenage years when you were rebelling, bro? <sighs> what didn't I get into? <laughs> yeah. um, bro, I, I, I feel like when I was younger, I, I just wanted to be that cool kid. No, so like I was smoking when I was really young. Yeah. Um, I think I had my first cigarette when I was about 11, 12 years old. And um, I remember saying the boys later on in life saying, oh, look, I only started smoking because I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, and I did. I just, I wanted to be that cool kid. So I was very rebellious. I, I like to be center of attention. I like to be the class clown. Um, I started drinking when I was about 13 or 14 years old. I uh, started experimenting with drugs around the same time, mm. um, starting with marijuana and um, getting into a lot of other drugs, methamphetamine being one of the ones that I, I was really um, playing around with. Till I was twenty five years old. Wow, what what drew you in the direction of methamphetamine, bro? It was just the the lifestyle I was living, um, the environment that I was in. Yeah, uh, whether it was to be accepted or just to be known as that cool kid. No, I've, I've never really fully unpacked this properly. Mm. Uh, so this is this is a cool conversation. Maybe it was just just to be rebellious. Maybe I like to be the rebellious child, uh, person, teenager yeah. in, in, influence. Cause I did influence a lot of people, yeah. but it just came in with the, uh, the environment and the lifestyle I was living. You know, I, I, I grew up with what I needed. Um, 
but my parents didn't have much. You know, mm. I grew up after growing up in West Auckland, so I was nine years old. We went to Hamilton, then we moved on to the North Shore. Mm. And in the North Shore, it's, it's known I was sort of stigmatized as this rich kid when I never actually had much. I just had what I needed, right? Um, my parents gave me love as much as they could, and they still do. Um, and I, it's funny, I was actually thinking about this before I came in, in meditation. Um, I, I feel as if because all of the people that I grew up around in high school and that they all had so much stuff, they all had, you know, the, the nice clothes, the flash homes, flash cars, um, and, you know, we were driving around in a high ace van, uh, like an 87 Honda Civic hatchback that was purple, you know, well, like I said, my parents did the best that they could with what they had. They, they put their money into the things that were going to create our future. Like they were setting up for the generation for us, for us as children. So I, I guess a lot of it came from there. I wanted to fit in. Mm. So I, I was shoplifting. Um, I actually used to go to school to get orders from people who wanted things from Rebel Sports. Right. So I'd go to Rebel Sports and I'd steal them what they wanted. That led into other things. Um, shoplifting was just an easy thing for me to do. You know, I'd walk out with boxes under my hoodie and I wouldn't even be looked at or stopped. Probably because I was so young, they wouldn't expect it. Mm. Um, and, but then I got into you know, breaking into cars uh, stealing cars, breaking into homes, um, breaking into stores when they were closed. Uh, that, that was, was, was that just a thrill for you that you enjoyed? Like the adrenaline of that or what was the, I know this is going back into a, a former you, mm. a, a part of you that probably hasn't thought about it for, for a long time, mm. but, um, yeah, what, I can sort of see how you would transition into that, but do you sort of remember like what the thought provoking process was for you? Not entirely. Yeah. Yeah. But if I was to look at it now, um, I feel it was just for reputation. Yeah. Right. Like everyone had a reputation. You know, there were gangs, you know, our little, little gangs of bloods and crips were still around yeah. very yeah. much. So then, um, we had our graffiti gangs. Um, this is cool. Like I've never spoken about this. Mm. So only something that I thought about the other day. This is actually really important to talk about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like it was just a reputation. Mm. I feel you on that because I, I, I sort of initially I, I started to drink, um, and then fight. Mm. Um, but mine was fair, because uh, my dad left. I felt like I had to step up as a man when I was young and um, I remember the fear feeling and I was like, okay, if I can be super aggressive, I can get a reputation out to the point where I don't have to do it anymore. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that really sort of struck a chord with me as, as maybe it was my way of becoming a man. A man. Because yeah. I, the only other way I knew was through church. You know, that's how you became a man was through church. Yes, right, right. Um, I didn't know how to not be in church. Yeah. So I had this big identity 
where I was still like saying, oh yeah, I'm a Mormon. Mm. You know, and people still label me as, oh, you're a Mormon. Mm. I'm, I'm myself. I am myself. You know, we, we have had so many identities and continue to have identities that um, we don't know who we are without. But I guess I was just trying to pave my own way and be you the were man. creating a new identity for yourself. <laughs> I was Outside creating a, a <laughs> Outside of the moment. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but very much, very much like, you know, um, big fights, big gang fights. Mm. Um, yeah. Had some interesting times, you know, weapons. Yeah. And, um, a lot of drugs. Yeah. A lot of thieving. Mm. And I, it, it just stopped one day. Yeah. What um what transitioned you out of that? Did you just get sick and tired of the lifestyle or were there yeah. role models that you met along the path that sort of got you out of the that lifestyle? You know what? I never really thought about it until now. Um, it never really resonated. Or came up for me until this moment right now. I I had a role model. Um, his name was Jeremy Tavaga. He became my coach and a good friend of mine, and in um, bodybuilding. So I always said that I never like when I was really deep within the the drug scene. You know, methamphetamine. It, it's a pretty yuck place to be in. I always knew and said to people, I haven't, I never lost my soul, never lost my soul through that process because it is that drug that you can really consume yourself and lose everything with that. Um, and I remember just because the environment I was in and the partners, uh, other, other bros, partners and um, family members, you know, were around that were doing other things. Um, Jeremy was one of them and I used to just follow him on Instagram and just be really, I guess in awe, like, man, this dude is stacked and he seems like a really cool dude. Seems like he's got his head screwed on and I just wasn't ready prior to that. So I, I went down this, this whole new route, um, of competitive bodybuilding. Mm. Uh, You've got a really addictive personality, eh? It's sort of it's part of your design. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um if you're looking at human designs, addiction is a big one, is a big one for me. And if we're touching on that, it's it's really important to understand what parts of our design um we have. Because then you don't try and fight. You don't try and fight them you can accept them and feed them with the right things. So that became my new addiction. Mm. Was, this was my new identity. Yeah. It was, okay, I'm a bodybuilder now. Yeah. This is the route that I'm going down. Yeah. What was that? What was that journey like for you when you started up? Were you naturally strong in the gym? Um, I'd, I'd started training. I think when Nevaeh was, um, in the process of coming into this life, yep. Uh, because I wanted to be able to protect my my children, yep. So um, it wasn't until about four or five years after training that uh, 
that I really dove into that. Um, so I did, you know, build up a lot of strength at the beginning. A lot of it was just ego lifting, probably really terrible form. Yep. Um, got a back injury from it as well as the work, you know, this trying to be the man. Um, but no, I had to, I had to work hard to gain strength. Um, so yeah, there was definitely work involved. Mm. Um, so you just, you met up with Jeremy. Yeah. He started coaching you. Uh, obviously you, you've competed. Uh, what, what level did you get to in, in bodybuilding? Um, so I, I did my first competition, uh, with a coach that was in my gym. That was just, uh, in, entry level. And uh, after that, I decided the moment I got off that stage, I actually, I teared up. Actually, teared up most times that I went to compete because I couldn't believe at where I was at that point, um, and it just it always melted my heart. Like I always left that stage with watery eyes or boiling my eyes out because I I just thought, man, if I can do this, if I can get away from from this environment, doing these things, then anybody can. And, and that's when that desire to help people began. Um, but once I'd got off the stage on that first that first show, I made a commitment that I was going to go to um, a real competitive level. Um, I decided that I was going to use steroids and really work my ass off to um, get to that pro level. And... I prepped for the next show for 13 months straight. Um, and then that was a whole nother, whole nother story too, you know, getting into uh, abusing steroids. Um, did a lot of education, like learned, educated myself around them. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote them. That's part of your journey though, mm. you know? Yeah. It became a, a new addiction for yep. me to look a specific way, mm. which has birthed a lot of other things yep. from that. Um, but I, I ended up, I guess the, the furthest I went was into the USA and I competed in the Arnold's there and um, I was blown away. <laughs> I thought I'd just get out. It was, a, I think there's about 30, between 30 to 33 people. I got up on stage and I was thinking, oh yeah, that's me, you know, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> had no expectation whatsoever. And then I got called out for the, the top 10. I was thinking, oh shit, really? Like these guys look amazing. Like yeah. world-class uh, athletes. And then we went down to the main stage and we competed down there, uh, the top 10. And then it went to top five and my name got called out again. Yeah. So like, holy shit, look, is this, is this real? Yeah. Was was there a moment of realization for you that um because I know you just said um like these guys are athletes was yep. there a moment of realization for you where you're like oh I'm an athlete too like I'm one of I'm I'm at that level as well yeah yeah there was there was I, I think after that yep. was when I really realized like, oh shit I'm I'm at that level yeah I had such a strong intention for what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be that it all came it all came true you know I wanted I wanted a sponsorship 
as an athlete. I didn't just get a sponsorship. I got a sponsorship with the top company in the world, uh, Glambia, who a lot of people would know on, um, forgot their, their actual name, but Biasin was under that. That's who I jumped on with and a couple other world, world renowned brands. So strong intention, really strong intention. And it wasn't until after I got off that, that stage that I realized, oh shit, I, I actually am, I'm, I'm, what's the word? I'm worthy yeah. to be in this space. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But then I went home and, uh, from the States and was meant to come home to compete. I ate a whole lot of chocolate on the way. I never told anyone. So this is me confessing <laughs> right now. Only a few people know. And, uh, expectation came into place. I expected to win that and get my pro card. I came third in my class and uh, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I remember swearing on stage <laughs> and being salty when I left. Um, but that was actually the end of the end of that because I moved to Australia not long after, right when I reached my goal. I guess I hadn't really set another goal after that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I feel like that was like um, a good moment for you to realize like, oh, like oh, I can do this here. I can do this anywhere. Like not just in bodybuilding, right? Mm. Like if I work hard enough, I can achieve anything. Mm. The the tools you, I guess. Um, acquire. Acquire, but not, not just the tools, but the, the dedication that it takes to get to that level. If you can transfer those into any other aspect into your life, you literally have all the ingredients for success. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I did realize that, but I didn't implement it until later. Yeah. yeah. There was, again, those identity issues yeah. because I was now this bodybuilder. Yeah. And then I went through, you know, years of moving out from that. Yeah, right. So what was next for you? You moved to Aussie. You're a you're a bodybuilder, but it's did you know it was the end for you or it nah. just it, it nah, <laughs> spiraled you spiraled out of bodybuilding. I spiraled <laughs> out of bodybuilding. I um I was so stuck with this identity of me being a bodybuilder now. Um but because I'd I'd left a long-term relationship and moved to Australia, I started to come up with all these Internal, internal issues, um, mental health issues really started to surface. Didn't really know who I was anymore. Mm. Didn't know where I belonged. Um, bodybuilding was the only thing that I had. So I just held tight onto that. I held tight onto that, uh, until I didn't <laughs> started going through relationships and, um, they just weren't working for me. It started to, started to show a lot of cracks that I had within myself. It's almost like I, I wanted, I didn't know who I identified as. So I tried to identify myself, re-identify, re-identify myself in another relationship, um, which just drove me further and further away from myself. Absolute blessing. Mm. It was a blessing. It was a tough lesson. Mm. Um, I mean, relationships are hard. Relationships are hard, and even even 
for the best ones, you know, that I feel that there's no escaping, there's no escaping a relationship um, without attaining some type of injury along the way. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, relationships can be our greatest teachers, right? Mm. That bring to surface triggers that we were probably unconscious of mm. too, right? So everything's lessons, bro. So you uh, you spiraled out of bodybuilding. What did you get into when you came over here? Obviously, it sounds like our woman became a big part of your your spiral. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess coming out the back end of of competing and and looking a specific way, I I thought that I because I looked a specific way, I needed to attract a specific type of woman. So um, what I thought was going to be happy families wasn't what I've had thought all along. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, yeah, moved moved to Australia and then, yeah, like I said, I just started facing off with all these internal uh, lessons that needed to be learned. And... I found myself starting to go back into my old patterns prior to competing because that was something that I could always rely on, right? And I was so unconscious of it at the time that that was something that just gave me instant gratification. But on the other side of that, it just it made me feel shit. It made me feel worse. It made me uh, feel so much more consumed in my mess the next few following days. Mm-hmm. So it was a just a, a cycle. Yep. Continuing to go through this this shit. Um facing off with suicidal thoughts. Yep. Uh that was something that's kind of come up for me a lot throughout my life. I understand that a lot more now, uh, with with the lessons that we've learned, the the tools that we've acquired with attachment issues for for instance, you know, having to I am a recovering um anxious attachment style. And what I understand very clearly now is that when I lose an attachment, uh, so much of my identity belonged in that person to validate myself that once I lost that, it was like I physically felt like dying, right? Or physically felt like I was, I were dying. And that's where all those thoughts started to come along was those, those suicidal thoughts. Um, so that was, that was a big, that was a big lesson, you know, going, going through that, dancing around with those ideas quite often. Remember going into the mines and, uh, you know, co-parenting with two children, two different mothers isn't an easy task. Um, and when things, when things aren't going the way you would like them to go and you're isolated in an area where there is nothing, you are just stuck in your thoughts uh, without any tools. Oh, that just rattled me, rattled me big time. That's when I started to actually look at ways to commit suicide. Um, I was in a relationship at that time and it wasn't until ending, coming to the end of that relationship that I, I really took a, Deep look at myself and thought, bro, I'm 
you got to do something, otherwise the cycle is going to continue. And uh, that's when I decided that enough's enough. I started to educate myself, started to read. That was my first teacher, read and applying the readings. But upon these learnings, these readings, I started to grasp uh, a real desire to uh, understand the un- understand um, how we think, you know, human behaviors, um, how we're programmed subconsciously. So this became my new addiction. And I, st- I just got so embedded in wanting to learn, wanting to grow, that this new me was birth. Mm-hmm. What? Um, obviously you've, you've gone, you know, you've gotten sick of the patterns and, uh, obviously over time you gain experience and you gain more self-awareness eh, mm. of yourself. High level of consciousness. High level of consciousness. Yeah. Um, when did you, obviously you, you were on the growth journey and then you, um, cause I feel like. I've spoken about this before. I seen, I met you when we were drinking mm. and you were, you were in your shit. You were like, you were you, um, but you were very much in your shit and messy. But there was like this beautiful part of you that I was like, if he could just heal some parts of him, He'd be an amazing man. And then obviously, uh, two, two, two years down the line, I seen you rebirth in Auckland. Um, well, that's where I became aware of it. Um, like I was like, Oh, there he is. Like that's the guy that I seen. I know we were drinking, but mm. I was like, that's the guy I seen, you know, amongst the mess. That was the guy I seen. Um, more grounded, um, more aware, but just, it was like a weight had stripped off you, you know, and you were starting to unpack. Um, was that where you got into your journey within men's medicine and, and the other workshops mm. that you got? Yeah, that, that's, that's, thank you. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful that you had a level of awareness at that time to see that because I, I did to some degree with people, but it wasn't until I really started to understand human behaviors and the way that we're programmed that I started to really see people, you know, walking through the room, tell the whole story just by looking at someone. Mm. You know this. Yeah. Um, my journey had started probably about six months prior to that where I was just embedded in learning. I was, um, I just enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't read my first book till I was 30 years old and I just got so hooked into reading and listening to, actually I wasn't even listening to podcasts then. It's only been this year that I started listening to podcasts. I loved it. My, like my biggest teachers have, have probably been like uh, Aubrey Marcus, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Jim Quick. Kerwin Tom, Ray. Kerwin Ray. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I didn't miss him. <laughs> Tom Bellew. Simon Sinek, um, just some beautiful 
men with an abundance of learnings and, and education that was back behind them. It's like compacting a whole book into one sitting. So, um, yeah, that I, I'd started prior to that. I had this intention of wanting to help people in some way, um, which was birthed long before that. I just was ready, starting to prepare myself to be ready to, to find a way that I can give back. I had no idea on how that looked at the time. Absolutely no idea. And it was about, oh, it was, it was a few, a few months later. Um, actually, I, I started sharing my stuff on social media, started sharing my journey. I, I just had this, this, um, this awakening when I was in Fiji and this conversation I had where I, I didn't realize how closed off men are and how open I was at speaking. I just didn't know how to own my shit at that time. I just knew how to play victim. And I, I didn't even know what vic- playing victim was, was yeah, at that yeah. time. If, basically, if, if you're a victim, you play victim, nothing is ever your fault. Nothing's ever your fault. You've always got somebody to blame. There's no accountability or ownership for anything you do. When you and I know that there's always something you can own, mm. always something you can own in every situation, even if it was just being in that place. Yeah. Or well, being the victim too um, gives all your power away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, Kieran Ray touches on this beautifully. It's extreme ownership. Extreme ownership is the quickest way to fully empower yourself. You know, um, uh, Gary Vee also talks about the eight mile effect. You know, the eight mile effect, you think of the movie, um, at the very end, he's rapping, Eminem starts, right? And he's already been beaten by this guy in the beginning of the film. And instead of Eminem dissing this dude, he fully threw all the disses out about himself. And when it came to Papa Doc's turn, he had nothing to say because all the disses had gone. Extreme ownership. There's a massive lesson in that. Mm. You yeah. can't fuck with nobody after that. Yeah. Um, where were we? <laughs> I, 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 Fiji. Fiji. I love ownership. You know? it's, <laughs> it's like the biggest thing that, that I feel has helped my life so much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So I was in Fiji and- You uh, had a bit of a, was it an awakening or self-realization? It was actually a lot of healing. Healing was there unconsciously. Yeah. You know, um, I hadn't seen these people that, that were there. These are my friends from New Zealand mm. and I hadn't seen them since I'd left. Um, and I left on bad terms, you know, I'd done the dirty and, and when I saw them, um, I brought my daughter with me. It was a beautiful holiday. And when I saw them, um, after spending a bit of time with them, the first, the first night I broke down in tears and I, I I'm not really. Sorry, I wasn't really somebody to to cry and show that side of my emotions until then. But I just completely opened up my heart and was just so grateful to see everyone there, and um, so and unconsciously started to take ownership for everything from that point onwards. And when I came home, I thought, man, you know what? Like that lady that I spoke to, my 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 friend's auntie who whose wedding was, uh, I spoke to, she said, you know, not many men open up like this. This is really beautiful. So that really sat, like resonated with me. And from that moment onwards, I started to own it publicly. I started to put, completely changed my social media, got rid of all the 
um, topless photos, uh, started to re-identify myself with, um, with this new being. Mm. Who you always were. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed to get that little nudge to step in, mm. step into it. Yeah. Well, going forward, bro, I mean, um, after Fiji, did you do the walk? When did you do long, the walk? Uh, it, was, it was long after that. I think it's about six months after that, actually. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, what what th- made you go a, do the walk? I saw it on social media, so I can share it around a lot. And just drew drew to me straight away. I thought, like, this is cool, man. This is something totally different. different. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like this. Um, for me, the only way that I knew how to grow at that time was just by reading, listening. Um, so the moment I seen it, I, I knew that I not only wanted to do that, that walk, I wanted to be a part of it. And I did end up becoming part of another strong intention, right? Mm. Um, that walk was, so I, I didn't understand doing one, doing the learning internally, mentally is one aspect of things, but the body lives in the past. The body holds, the body's like a storage tank for all of our emotions, all of our traumas, everything that's, that um, we've gone through, but not only us, but also generations before us. We, we carry that. It wasn't until I did the men's medicine walk, flew back to New Zealand um, and just a big shift happened. That's when I understood, oh shit, like the body needs to go through shit too. The body is the release. And that's when you would have seen that video. Yeah. Um, that's when I guess I really woke up. Mm. Yep. That's awesome, bro. Um, it's been a big journey. Leadership for you. Uh, I've seen it this year massively. Um, Thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I met you when you had done quite a lot of walks, right? You'd done quite a few walks with men's medicine. Mm. Um, and we'd spoken. Uh, I remember Royal Talk was on there. Royal Talk, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and I, I used to love seeing, because was a, I think that was the first time I'd met you and I'd, we'd seen each other around yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Uh, I think everyone gravitates to you, bro. There's some, <laughs> something about you, but um, just really gravitate. Well, we know, we know the, the human design, right? I'm, I'm a right side, you're a left side. It makes yeah. the full circle. Yeah. That's why we gel so well. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? I, yeah, always enjoyed conversations, always mm-hmm. enjoys conversations with you, whether it's on social media or sharing things that I'd learned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it wasn't until that we'd seen each other a few times. It wasn't until you came to the walk. To the walk. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I needed it, bro. No, so they, nobody, <laughs> nobody thinks they do, but you don't need to be completely broken. That's it. You, you can just go in with a growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a transformative day for me and transformative year. Which we'll get into. Um, 2019 was a big year of growth for you. Eh? Mm. You you stepped into a lot of spaces and learned a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, big year of learning. Yeah, and I um, yeah, I just remember you going. 
you're on hand, bro. You're on everywhere. Mm. Um, I suppose you've walked with a lot of men. Um, moving through men's medicine um, into creating space mm. uh, with me, me and you created a space uh, for men and women. Um, what's 2020 been like for you, bro? Let's <laughs> <laughs> unpack 2020. <laughs> um, well, like you said, this year has been a big year of, even though it's been a challenging year, it's been a big year of um, really stepping into leadership, like you, like you shared. Last year was about growth. This year was about finding my feet and my voice. Next year is about execution. I like that. Mm. So simple, but I, I understand deeply what that means. <laughs> um, biggest, what's, your, what's your takeaways from 2020, bro? Mm. This takeaways in 2020. What have you left here? What have you learnt? Uh, I, I, one thing that, that's on top of my mind, top of my head is um, commitment. Now, what are you committed to? If, you're, if you say you're going to commit to something, how far are you willing to go? Be prepared for the blockages that come along the way. Be open-minded. Be open-minded. There's going to be a lot of blockages, but that commitment that you set for yourself will be the the needle on the compass to either keep you going or to um, drive you away. But what are you what are you committed to? How are you committed to? Um, how much are you committed to? Learning before you jump off. I like that. I like that. I got a full movie reel in my head of <laughs> But a lot, a lot of things though, you know, a, a lot of things for, for 2020, man. A lot of, a lot of learnings through discomfort. Yep. This year has been a, but it's been a big year through discomfort for everybody. Everybody so. in the world has felt it. It's also been an absolute blessing because it's enabled us to experiment and try new things, step into new spaces, um, exercise in seeing what it feels like to use your voice. Mm, yeah. To see what it's, it's like to show your face. Yeah. It's been an awesome uh, year of growth for you and I. 100%. I, that was just came to my head. I was thinking about... um. Like you come and, and sort of, <laughs> and he's uh, put me in lots of uncomfortable situations to call me forward, which I'm like super grateful for. Uh, we started off doing a Raw Talk Online workshop and man, that scared the shit out of me to facilitate. There was lots of unwillingness that come with that. But um, it was really cool because in the process of Andy calling me forward, you called yourself forward to lead and um, you really found your voice this year, I feel, um, in facilitation. Not that you didn't before, but I feel like um, uh, you lead, you led a lot stronger, especially when we um, run the couples workshop. Mm. You really stomped your leadership on that. Um, I've seen you lead so differently to what I've seen you previously. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you, brother. And, and that's what's been a real blessing doing, you know, having you by my side through, through all of these, um, not only with us both being able to collectively grow together, but you being able to see parts of me that I'm unable to see and, and vice versa. Yeah. And being able to sit down and have that time of reflection and um, time of gratitude. Mm. Uh, you know, starting the online space, it, that's, been a, that's been a big level up. Yeah. It's been a lot of learnings in that too. Yeah. A lot of learnings. Yeah. Um, I think, I think another thing too, this year has been, this year has taught me is really putting our, our name forward to, for service. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be, um, a cost that comes with that, right? Yep. That's what I was thinking. There's always a cost to everything. And putting our names or hands up to do some form of service, um, there's always a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. Whether it's sacrificing time, whether it's sacrificing money, um, you know, family. Family for me has been a big one. Mm-hmm. Like our, our families have taken a huge toll on what we've just decided to do. So it's been a big learning for me this year. Uh, not being able to show up everywhere, but also losing the expectation to have to show up everywhere as well. Yep. Save yourself energetically. Right. Mm. I mean, we've experienced it, you know, we've run, we've, we've run ourselves down big time. And when we constantly, when we're constantly serving um, and we constantly outpouring our, our energy for service, our family miss out as well. Mm. It's, it's really interesting. eh? like um, when I was going on a journey to learning the things and you probably experienced the same thing. Man, like I had this routine and, you know, I'm like on a high and my energy is very high. And then as soon as you have to lead, a lot gets taken. Mm. And um, I don't think people understand the gravity of like leadership in that sense where the things that we're trying to teach people, we're losing for ourselves at some points along the journey because we're expending ourselves too much. Mm. Right. It's been the biggest lesson for me in that. And it's like having to create those boundaries so that I can take care of myself and my family. Cause a lot of the time my family gets um, me when I'm run down, you know, mm. and that's sort of been a big lesson for me coming to the close of this year is like, I got to say no gracefully, mm. not because I don't love everybody, but I can't be everywhere. You know? Yeah. 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 Big, big lesson for us both and, yeah. and being able to, um, I guess, now reflect and figure out a way to make things work for us. For that us. There's less sacrifice for yeah. the ones that we love. Yeah. Otherwise, probably you just constantly give and you lose out. Yeah. You lose everything, mm. right? Your life becomes service, which I guess was like Jesus, you know, if you look in the Bible, yeah. in the Bible mm. his life was for service. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, my family is important, you know, relationships important time with my, my children and doing the best I can to provide and teach them as 
important. Those are, those are higher values for me than completely sacrificing my entire being and life to service, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember last year, a big thing for me was self-love and understanding what self-love is. I didn't really understand the word at the time. I just knew it was something that I was feeling because I was feeling so happy within myself. But now I know very clearly what self-love is, is for me. And I'll share this on here. Um, for me, self-love is a practice. Self-love is a practice that you have for yourself, um, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's an hour each day being able to fully service yourself and your being, being able to be in some form of uh, meditation, um, could be the gym, but not for external validation. What's your, if you're going there for external validation, you're going there for the wrong reasons. You know, whether it's, for me, going to the gym is overall health. For me to continue to have more longevity in life, um, being able to have space to breathe, disconnect, uh, be stuck in my own thoughts, be content with that, um, being able to step in moments of discomfort, like all of these things all come down to what I feel is a practice which then leads to self-love. And we both know when our, our practice is neglected, it plays out, plays out big time. It's like my serenity. Mm. And I miss that place so much when I don't go into that space, even though you know, man, I just need to, I just need to drop in and do this. Like how much longer am I going to neglect this for? How much longer do I want to feel shitty for? Do I want to give half of myself? Because you need to give to yourself fully first so you have more, yeah. more to give. What's We'll touch that on that. Yeah, we'll go into that further. Yeah. <laughs> well, my bro, I um, man, we almost said an hour. I think uh, we'll wrap it up for one day. You're going to get to know us very well if mm. you follow this podcast. Yeah, whether it's stories, um, learnings, uh, topics, topics. Yeah, we we can dive. We can dive in. Yeah, ideas. Um. Yeah, the whole shebang. <laughs> All right, my brother, thank you for sharing your story. Um, it was really cool to get a more detailed insight of your your life. I know there's lots more, um, but yeah, it was beautiful, bro. Thank so you, thank brother. you for sharing. Thank you, brother. Thank you for holding that space for me to share. You're good, my bro. All right, thank you, fam. Peace out. Till next time. Episode one. Thank you for listening to the Express Yourself podcast with Zay Masters and Andy Archie. If you'd like to leave us some feedback, please leave us a review. All contact details will be added in the description. And in the meantime, don't forget to. I'm expressing with my full capabilities. And now I'm living in correctional facilities.